The only difference between us and anyone else is we live on the streets. We will find them more permanent accommodation. They will not need to return to the street. Why is a pandemic this emergency, but homelessness isn't an emergency? Hello, and welcome to Switchboard, Varsity's flagship podcast. My name is Isabel Roberts. And I'm Maddie Fisher. Homelessness is a problem you can't miss in Cambridge. Indeed, Cambridge is the most unequal city in the UK, with homeless people often living on wealthy colleges' doorsteps. On a national level, the coronavirus pandemic has highlighted the extraordinary vulnerability of rough sleeping and those precariously housed. Today, we spotlight homeless voices examining government and council policies and speak to students involved in voluntary work. We began by speaking to Angel, a homeless person living in Cambridge. He tells us his story. Just a disclaimer, we recorded this interview with Angel in a cafe, which accounts for some of the background noise you will hear throughout. I'm Arrow Talon Draven, also known as Angel, and I'm a freak. <laughs> I always put that in. So can you tell me about your story and how you came to be in the position that you are today? Me personally, I'm ex-military, and the last tour of duty I had, I returned home and found that my partner at the time had sold my house, my cars, two companies I own had taken my youngest two children, I have six together, and the government being what they are, they don't give a damn about their services. They say the line of, thank you for your service, off you go. I class myself as a nomad, because I'm half gypsy by birth, so I've travelled different cities and towns while being homeless. And then I found out that Luna was on the streets in Cambridge. And when it comes to her, I will always go to where she is. So I came to Cambridge to look after her. How do you know Luna? That's complicated because neither of us actually really know ourselves. We've known each other longer than even we're sure of, but we always find each other. So when I found out that she was on the streets here, it wasn't even something to think about. The same day I got on the train without a ticket, without money in my pocket, and came here, and that was June last year. I've been assaulted twice, totally unprovoked, totally random. The first was Halloween last year, which was my birthday. I ended up with a broken nose, fractured eye socket, dislocated wrist, dislocated thumb, three broken ribs, two fractured ribs. And who, who did that? A random member of the public. Because we're homeless, therefore we're less than anything. Because we're homeless, even if we report it to the police, most of the time we get ignored. The one who assaulted me five weeks ago finally got convicted. And that's from Halloween last year. 
Sam Crawley, a news correspondent for Varsity, talks us through the statistics of homelessness in Cambridge. From your research, to what extent would you say homelessness is a major problem in Cambridge? Well, I think um, any student who's been out in Cambridge in the evening can see that um, rough sleeping is a really, really big problem. Like, the area around uh, Market Square has a lot of rough sleepers, and that opinion was reinforced in the research I did. So every year they do a count on one night for the number of rough sleepers, and that was um, 33 last year. But the council separately do a count across the year, and that found that 158 people were verified as sleeping rough in the city across the year. And the Office for National Statistics also found that um, 13 homeless people died in Cambridge between 2013 and 2017. And then also, once you add in the fact that obviously sleeping rough and homelessness are not the same thing. So a lot of people are homeless, but not actually sleeping on the streets. And, you know, they're couch surfing or they're living in hostel accommodation. And that's that's also very insecure. And that's a much more unseen problem. There are council initiatives to support the homeless. James McWilliams, the manager of Cambridge City Council's Housing Advice Service, tells us more about this service. Um, thank you, uh, Maddie. Housing Advice Service, there's three main things and, and then a lot of sub things under those three main things. Main thing that we do with the statutory homelessness authority for the district of Cambridge, and we are required by law to deal with uh, the people making statutory claims of homelessness to us. We have another section. What it deals with largely are these areas where we tend not to have a statutory duty. So this section deals with single homeless people. Um, often those people do not have a priority need. But we want those people to have somewhere to live. The idea behind that is that if people spend any period of time on the street, and they haven't previously been on the street, they will, because of the pressures of being on the street, quite rapidly develop other issues. So the single homelessness service tries to move in quite quickly. Uh, a quick intervention sometimes can save a hell of a lot of difficulties down the line. We also have a section that is devoted to trying to find more privately rented opportunities for people. Cambridge is a city with an unusually large private rented sector. You'll know it's quite expensive. And generally speaking, a lot of local landlords need a lot of persuading to deal with the people that we're dealing with, by and large. So we have our own lettings agencies, and that deals directly with landlords. Third element of it is that we run what is sometimes incorrectly called the waiting list, but is in fact the housing needs register. So that's the register of people that have made applications for social housing in Cambridge. On the register at the moment, there is around about 1,700 people in the city. Really what we are is that we're the homelessness prevention and the homelessness relief service. And could you just clarify what housing powers are devolved to local councils and what is 
under control of national government? Ultimately, the purse strings are controlled by national government. National government will decide each year on the basis of a formula. And then, of course, it gets blown off course by, you know, whatever happens in the economy. What we do with that money is up to us. We are responsible for analysing our own local need, devising what it is that we want to do. We're just on the cusp of consulting on our next five-year homelessness strategy. So in March, government ministers announced that all rust sleepers would be given shelter in the face of coronavirus pandemic. So what happened for you in lockdown? When lockdown started, myself and Luna, we were still on the streets for three and a half, almost four weeks after lockdown started before I was put in a hotel, which is bittersweet because on the one hand, it's great you're finally in somewhere, but it took a global pandemic for them to actually say, we need to get people off the streets. I mean, I was in there for four months, and then in their infinite wisdom, which is a joke in itself, they decided once things started to unlock again, Yes. Shops could open, pubs and restaurants could open. We don't need to self-isolate. Yeah. So they start kicking us all out again. How has coronavirus impacted your work and what kind of policy has the council come up with to help homeless people during this period? How is it taking it over? It's completely dominated. That, that would be the, um, the, the phrase that I would use. I'm sitting at home in London. I've been in Cambridge for, what, four times since March. It's made a real difference in terms of there's been no ifs and no buts. We've had to do things. The city council, we, we went out on a limb before the government told us to do this. We wanted to offer somewhere where everybody could shelter who might not have somewhere safe to isolate. And that was an offer that we put out about two or three days before the government asked all local authorities to do it. So we've ended up making well over 200 offers to people of accommodation. At its peak, we had 140 people undercover in a variety of hotels um, and, uh, and one university premises. Um, in Bennett Street, there was a, a significant amount, number of people who, who, despite the fact that this was an offer of unconditional free accommodation, simply didn't want it. And, that, and that's their choice. And that's absolutely fine. We made a commitment to everybody who's prepared to work with us that we will find them more permanent accommodation, that they will not need to return to the street. It doesn't mean that people aren't leaving us with nowhere to go. They are. And, and sometimes that's because people decide for themselves that they want to go and that's that. And sometimes it's because we decide that keeping any particular individual in is going to be dangerous to the other people that we've got a responsibility to. But we've moved getting on for 75 people out into more permanent accommodation. And what we want to do is we want to end this whole thing having turned what could have been a real local negative into a real local positive. The council doing nothing. The council deny there's a problem. The council do 
things like October last year, they put a banner up on the front of Guildhall saying Street Aid Week, helping people on the streets turn a corner in their lives. That banner was the only thing we saw. We didn't see any council representatives coming out with blankets, sleeping bags, clothes, hats, gloves. The only places I found out that we can go, I found out from other people on the street. So places like Winter Comfort, which near enough all of us agree are actually a good thing because you know we can go there we can get something to eat depending on limitations and restrictions we've been able to get a hot shower changes clothes toiletries in Cambridge we're told to be housed you have to deal with Jimmy's because it's the council's way of saying not their responsibility we put the allegations Angel makes about the council to James McWilliams. We've heard claims that the council is underestimating the number of homeless in Cambridge and that they're not doing enough to support homeless people. How would you respond to that? We have six rough sleeper, big rough sleeper towns a year. Now we're talking, I've got to just mention this point if you don't mind. We're talking about homelessness as if homelessness was just about people on the streets and rough sleepers and so on. Around about 80% of the people that we see and work with, they're not rough sleepers. They're families, they're the people who are, you know, their private sector tenancies coming to an end and so on and so forth. But when we're talking about street homelessness, street homelessness, particularly if it's long term, is very rarely unaccompanied by a lot of other things. Mental health problems, um, certainly substance abuse. Um, it's a huge factor in keeping people on the streets when there are options. The six rough sleep accounts that we do gives us a pretty good idea who's sleeping out on that night. But we've never claimed, Maddie, that if we count, as we did on the rough sleep account two weeks ago, 13 people, that there are only 13 people sleeping rough. But it's a difficult thing because some people will be intermittent rough sleepers. Some people will sleep rough while they have accommodation. So, for example, last week is a typical week where the street outreach team that counts on four mornings a week their tally for last week was that there were 11 people of those 11 people four people actually had accommodation they're out on the street for other purposes other than the fact that they don't have somewhere to live and this is the complexity of it all of that is just to illustrate the point that it's actually quite difficult to say with exactitude um, how many people are actually out on the street. All you can do is you can be very clear about your your data and its limitations. Um, not doing enough, that's one that um, is very, very hard to sustain, I think, for Cambridge. My budget is just over two million. I mean, the current government has been, this isn't a, in any way a political statement, but the current government has put more into, I, I don't know how it is for other local authorities, but over the last three years has put more into funding our services for homeless people and particularly 
rough sleepers. You know, the government has a pledge to half uh, rough sleeping from 2017 levels by 2022 and to eliminate entirely by 2027. And uh, to be honest, they have shoveled money into um, our ability to be able to, to do this, which is why we were able to bring these 65 new units of accommodation on, you know, for example, the, um, the modular homes that we're, we're putting together with Ginnies and so on. Um, obviously, you can never do enough because it's not just a problem which is resolvable by housing or funds. It's a much more complex societal problem but I think if you look at our performance relative to a lot of our neighbouring authorities, and certainly if you look at our performance across the piece in the country, quite pleased with what it is that we do, even though we can always do better. One of the things that was mentioned was street aid. I just wanted to mention that street aid is a council initiative. Street aid has raised over £100,000. It's made over 270 grants to individuals. It doesn't instruct people not to give money to people on the street. It says that it's your choice. And, um, you know, to say that all that the council did was put a banner up outside the Guildhall, um, no, not, not guilty as charged. I always put my hand up to be guilty as charged if there is any, any reason for it. But no, street aid is something that if I never do anything else in what's left to my working life um, is the thing that I'm, I'm singularly the most proud of. Clearly the council have been doing a lot to try and address homelessness in Cambridge. But what is concerning about James's interview is that it doesn't match up to Angel's experience and there seems to be a lack of desire to take on board Angel's comments. Sam Crawley speaks to us about the council's latest policy on homelessness. Could you detail the current rent scheme to combat homelessness that has just been announced by the council? So the council got a very large grant um, of £960,000 from the Ministry of Housing, Community and Local Government recently, of which they've set aside uh, £96,000, along with some extra council funding, to essentially guarantee rents on up to 20 properties for um, individuals who are rough sleeping. So the plan is to basically get landlords to come forward and offer their single bedroom flats or accommodation for, uh, as I said, up to 20 people. And the council will provide a support worker for each person rehomed and they will offer uh, the rent guarantee as well as um, a deposit for any damaged cause. And what has the response been to this scheme? Are there any kind of potential problems that have been flagged? Well, obviously, it's quite a small scheme. It's only 20 people. And that's obviously one problem with it, although it is only one very small part of the council's larger homelessness strategy. Obviously, you know, it's £96,000 of £960,000. So there are lots of other kind of housing first initiatives that aim to get rough sleepers into permanent accommodation. So, you know, when I spoke to Jimmy's for the article, they welcomed the initiative saying that it's obviously not going to help everyone, but anyone who gets accommodation through this scheme is, you know, is, is to be welcomed. And the council has committed to other schemes as well. So it is only one part of a broader strategy. 
one of the student-led organisations aiming to connect students to homeless charity work is CHOP, the Cambridge Homeless Outreach Programme. Vice President Cynthia Fernando tells us about their work and the misconceptions around homelessness. Who are CHOP and what do you do? So the CHOP stands for Cambridge Homeless Outreach Programme. And what we do is we aim to connect students to the homeless community in Cambridge, sort of bridging that town-gown divide to ensure that students are engaged with their community. Our vision is to unify all the different community projects that are taking place in the area, different homeless charities and organisations, so we can connect students to opportunities to help and they can come to us where they think students can help. So just on that homeless and student community, have you met or do you know of any students at Cambridge that might be struggling with homelessness? A lot of students do have problems with housing in Cambridge, given the uncertainty surrounding student living contracts. And I do think that people tend to perceive of homelessness as an outside issue, as something that doesn't affect students. But in reality, a lot of students are often vulnerably housed and often under insecure contracts. We saw this in the pandemic. Students at Trinity, for example, were given very little notice to evacuate their accommodation. And that often left people in a lot of difficult positions in terms of housing. And I think it's important to remember that homelessness isn't limited to just rough sleeping. And it's often people living in places where they are not homeowners and not secure tenants. And so I do think it is a more widespread student issue than it's perceived to be. And what do you think about the government's handling of homelessness during and then post lockdown? I do have to commend some of the actions of the government. For example, near the beginning of the pandemic, when a lot of emergency housing was found for people who were sleeping rough and the ban on evictions. I feel like these were schemes that I do think were very unprecedented and were good schemes. However, they're schemes that are good for the short term. There still is a gap in policy for a long-term solution to homelessness and to support people who are homeless in this pandemic. I do think that emergency accommodation and short-term accommodation and these measures that they've adopted have helped in the short term but are not viable as a long-term solution, particularly as the pandemic's ongoing. But the eviction ban has been lifted and a lot of people who were living in emergency accommodation aren't anymore. I do also think it's another issue of, for example, a lot of public toilets and public spaces have closed. And these places are a big lifeline for homeless people. Another casualty of this pandemic, I think, is cash. The majority of places have gone cashless as a result of the pandemic. With my obvious sympathies for the risk of transmission that brings, I do think that leaves rough sleepers and um, vulnerably housed people who rely on cash um, to get their food for the day or to get accommodation in a very difficult position. Shannon Rawlins is a Cambridge student who founded the TABS project, Faces of Cambridge, which spotlights local homeless voices. She's also been involved in voluntary work and raising awareness of homelessness. So you founded the TABS Faces of Cambridge series. Can you tell me why you decided to do this? I just I just found myself just thinking quite a lot about the homelessness issue and, you know, walking through Cambridge, I'm sure everyone's familiar with, you know, walking through town and the big gaggle of Cambridge students. And, you, you know, every time you walk past scores of homeless people sitting in doorways you know gazing at you imploringly wanting you know a bit of change a bit of food and speaking to them you you do realize that 
that that's what they're after you know they just they just want a chat they just want people to treat them like anyone else rather than the homeless you know grouping them together under this you know as a almost as a as a social problem and and I guess and I guess that was the impetus for Face of Cambridge it was all about seeing them as individuals with their own backgrounds their own stories their own pasts and just trying to illuminate that you know to Cambridge students who maybe sometimes can be so caught up in uni life and the uni bubble that homelessness just isn't really something which they think about so we did a few interviews um and you know we presented them as profiles almost um you know we took took some pictures and just asked some questions about um their experience of being homeless and how they ended up in their predicament what they think the council is doing right what they think the council is doing wrong and to be fair i do think there there are really great support networks in in cambridge for the homeless you know you've got you've got jimmy's um you've got winter comfort you've got 222s and the council, you know, have a have a very good service for supporting homeless people, but I but I still think there's almost this 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 gap. Um, and although those services are available, it's almost like the home the homeless people often feel a bit alienated by it, and and maybe they they're not aware of the routes which which they can take. So I think maybe that's something that us as students can do is almost try and bridge that gap between the authorities and you know the individuals concerned and what misconceptions about homeless people do you hope that that series challenges i guess i would say maybe the the reasons that people become homeless i think especially in this in this country you know a lot of people are living hand to mouth almost um and you know struggling to make ends meet a lot of people are on you know on the brink of falling in into debt um and that and that's just how it can happen it's not always like drugs or domestic abuse i mean domestic abuse is obviously also um a, a reason that, that women in, in particular can end up being without a home sleeping rough um but yeah, just the reasons behind it. You know, everyone has a very unique story, and and also I've you know I've I've spoken to to people who are homeless by by choice. You know, they just they just quite like that nomad lifestyle, um, and it's and it's something which they've which they, you know and they and they struggle with it, but it is something which they've almost fallen in love with, just going from city to city and and living life kind of one day as it as it comes um and just not making assumptions and not grouping them all together under the same umbrella because they're all just individuals with their with their own stories what was the response to that series did you get much of a student response yeah for sure actually yeah i mean the the first article we did was an interview with angel yeah and that was um that was really popular and really successful article and it got lots of reads and lots of attention and reacts and, and that on Facebook and I got a lot of people approaching me and you know telling me that they've read the story and they're really impressed by it and this also attracted the attention of Cynthia Willeman who is a, um, a curator like an art, an art curator based in Cambridge and she got in contact with me with a proposal to do um, an exhibition so that was that was kind of the the springboard for all of that um and she she was in collaboration with an american artist called william baronet and, and the main the main way that he does is he um collects signs uh created by homeless people you know with 
with messages and poems and requests for change or whatever it might be and, and then he's created art out of that but he does he does lots of other work as well he's really he's a really amazing guy but i've only met him on skype but he's a really cool guy i was really excited about that exhibition so i was very sad when um corona came around but you know it's just one thing among many that got cancelled and brushed under the rug how can students in cambridge help i think the best thing is to continue to raise awareness of these problems that are being faced by the homeless community. That's an aspect where I feel like CHOP is very important because we're quite a large and visible society. Most people in Cambridge have heard about CHOP and as a result, we want to start with campaigns to raise awareness of the problems that the homeless community are facing, especially that have been exacerbated during the pandemic. So some of the things that students can do immediately is a lot of food banks and places um, such as Winter Comfort for the Homeless, for example, uh, rely very heavily on food donations. So something as simple as donating any dry food that you have, or as well as fundraising or donating whatever you can to the various organisations that are doing amazing work in Cambridge, like Whitworth House, which are supporting women in particular, and they are facing closure. So raising awareness for organisations like Whitworth House, just voices of support is something that would greatly help them. I do remember, for example, like St. Catherine's College during the vacation, housing victims of domestic violence in college. There is great potential for colleges themselves to be able to do their bit to protect vulnerably housed people, especially with a lot of vacant accommodation. So anything that people can think of that they could lobby their college to do. Definitely just talking to individuals and and not just not being blind to them and and not just you know if if someone's sitting in the door of Sainsbury's and he catches your eye don't just look away and ignore him give him a smile offer to buy him a drink or coffee or sandwich I mean I'm not saying you know you have to you have to give money or food every time you walk past on them it's just it's just about having a different attitude and then aside from that I mean if 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 you want to do more you can I, I volunteer at Winter Comfort, which is one of the shelters, um, it's, it's 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 just a day centre. They, they don't have gym, jimmies have like beds and overnight accommodation. But Winter Comfort's just like a day centre, and they provide meals and coffee and tea, and you just sit there and chat to them and help them out. And then they have computers, and you can help them with applications for, um, you know, potentially jobs or. Um, applying for benefits that sort of thing um and I, I really enjoy that so yeah there are definitely plenty of ways to get involved and so at the moment you say you're you're in a you're in a combination at the moment the last six weeks now i've finally got into a hostel which is amazing yeah um as long as i don't break any rules it's an indefinite place and then they and guide and support you towards then getting somewhere more permanent. It's a shame there's not more spaces. I was on the waiting list for maybe eight, nine months. Um, I've been in Cambridge since June last year, so you're talking close to 15, 16 months. And then, I guess, like, what's one thing you wish kind of people knew or thought about when they see people? out on the streets of the homeless. The main thing I wish people would think about is, and, and I say this almost daily, the only difference between us and anyone else 
is we live on the streets. We are all parents. We're sons, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles. Some of us are ex-services. Some of us are ex-university professors. Some of us are ex-doctors, nurses. Just because we're homeless doesn't mean we're less than anything. Most of us, unfortunately not all, but that's just the human nature, same as any walk of life. Most of us have respect for people, have consideration, have manners. I personally walk the city centre 40, 50 times a day, checking on all the other homeless. It's why I'm known as Angel. So as long as I can keep people safe, then I can at least relax. We have to rely upon either each other or random members of the public. Me personally, when I sit out begging, I sit on the floor, I have a plastic cup, I put in front of me, and I just sit there. I don't actually ask anyone. Because it makes me feel uncomfortable. It makes me feel anxious. I'd rather someone walk past and say, morning, or even a little smile. Because at least then you know they've seen you yeah, and they they've acknowledged you. That's the main thing. You know, not everything is about what you can give us. There's been days where I've been sat almost on the point of tears and someone stopped just to ask how I am, ask like you did a moment ago, how I ended up in this situation. And that made me smile for the rest of the day because someone actually cared enough to stop and talk. I wonder if people notice me. Do they even see me? Because we are the invisible. We're the unheard. And people don't realise we've got a lot to say. But unfortunately, the people that should be listening and should be asking the questions don't care. So it comes to a loud mouth like me. Because I'd rather there be one voice no voices. So it's clear that there are lots of ways for students to become involved in voluntary work to support the homeless. And what's also evident from Angel's interview is that even small things such as acknowledging homeless individuals and asking how they are can make a huge difference. In terms of government policy, the short-term accommodation offered at the start of the pandemic in March was undoubtedly a positive move. Yet, it's clear from both homeless individuals and activists that there needs to be a more long-term solution. And whilst the council are pioneering schemes to tackle homelessness, there needs to be more communication and understanding of the causes and experiences of homelessness. Thank you for listening. You can read more on this topic at varsity.co.uk. Thank you to our contributors, Angel Draven, Sam Crawley, James McWilliams, Cynthia Fernando and Sharon Rawlings. Thanks also to our production team. Tilly Head, Matthew Cavallini, Georgia Goebel, Matthew Jeffries, Cameron White, Alex Oxford, Thea Melton, Sorrel Fenlon, Juliet Babinski and Theo Fitzpatrick. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Subscribe to our podcast or visit our Facebook page where you can leave any thoughts.